1: the piffles podcast your premier saskatchewan rough riders fan podcast thanks so much for joining us you got alex greg and steve with you as per normal we have a very special guest joining us right now so let's not waste any time here let's get right to it we have a returning guest to the piffles podcast someone that we had uh, a couple years ago glad to have him back mr eddie Steele. eddie how you doing
2: i'm doing excellent it's been a busy busy past seven days for me but overall i'm doing really well i appreciate you guys having me on well
1: thanks for making time for us you're the uh probably the most popular man in the cfl world uh like you said over the last seven days so let's uh you know it's coming let's get to the why what got what got you out of uh 6 chad
2: well i uh Pointed the finger at the general manager. Um, I did it a couple times last week. On at first off, I did it in the post game show um, after the game. I kind of started to air the GM out a little bit because I was just noticing some issues. And then I did it again on uh, an Inside Sports show on Thursday. And then I appeared on the Rod Peterson show, and that was the uh, the straw that broke the camel's back because uh, when it's just on the radio. Uh, people can forget about it but when it's uh, on the internet and video uh, it's out there forever and then it just kept getting recycled by three down nation and all the different cfl news platforms so it wasn't going away and uh, you know i i said it many times i stick to my guns Um, i really believe in what i said and why i said it and it's pretty clear just looking from the outside and you know i'm only retired a couple years ago i still got a lot of buddies who are playing and whatnot And uh, looking from the outside in and hearing some of the news from inside the locker room, uh, there's just a lot of dysfunction, a lot of issues. And uh, it really begins and ends with the general manager because he's the one who's responsible for managing the team. And it's not just the lack of on-field success. Uh, They've had many stumbling blocks throughout the past year and a half, really. So I pointed the finger where I guess people aren't supposed to. But uh, in reality, that that is the case. And I feel that it's very I feel very strongly that it's true what I said.
0: Coincidentally, I think the last time you were on actually was with Derek Dennis. Um, If we want to throw that on here Um, and Derek Dennis very early, uh, basically called the team out on the culture fit uh, argument that they keep on painting all these guys with
2: what's actually going on there. You know, it's uh, – I mean, pro football is a di- dictatorship, right? It's the coach's way or the highway, the GMs way or the highway. Uh, but the GM in Edmonton, you know, I don't know him personally, uh, but uh, I do know a lot of people who have had lots of conversations with him. Some of my former media colleagues would tell me some things, and uh, he really – he likes things a certain way, and if you go against the grain at all, uh, there's uh, he can get offended quite easily um, based off just what you saw with what happened with me. I didn't really say anything too overly critical, uh, but clearly it affected him enough, uh, and his ego got in the way and didn't like what I said. Some had say, would say he's fairly thin-skinned. Some of my media colleagues would say if you ever – uh, brought something critical up uh, in a press conference or you know in an interview question. He's very quick to get defensive. So um, you know, with with being as polite as I can be, we all can imagine that type of character.
3: We we've heard a lot of people over the past week or so. Kind of look at these the the voice of the teams. You got your like your 6:30 Ched, your your 9:80 CKRM, and people expect their their voice to be cheerleaders for the for the home team what what's your thought on that did you ever bite your tongue and and stop yourself from saying things you you maybe wanted to in the beginning and and kind of got to this point over time
2: you know what this was all a learning process for me and uh, i i didn't realize to the extent that you know the partnered radio station is supposed to be that cheerleader And uh, I never got any training. This was my first year doing some radio work. Uh, I didn't get a a handbook of some do's and don'ts. And I was hired to be an analyst. And I was analyzing exactly what I thought was an issue with the organization. Um, So uh, looking back at it, I realized the lines that I crossed because of the partnership. But at the same time, it's kind of unfortunate the fact that uh, the fans and the people who are listening in a sense are kind of getting BS because they're not getting the whole truth because of that partnership. Everybody's kind of toe in the line and everybody's trying to, you know, keep it somewhat peachy when in reality, a lot of people feel a certain way. They just don't go out and say it. And I think this shed a lot of light on that situation because I didn't realize this is how it was to that extent until I'm starting to talk to other people in the media world. And, you know, people are explaining to me how things go. And, you know, it's unfortunate. And a lot of people feel that it is unfortunate. The fact that this is actually how that side of the business works, because, you know, people want to be told the truth and people know when they're getting the runaround, you know, people know when a media guy is just trying to fluff it up, right. Just for the fans, even though the team is playing atrociously. So, you know, I spoke my truth and it's a learning lesson, but, uh, it's it's interesting how this side of the the business works. That's for sure.
1: Now you said that uh, you had some comments in the post game show, and then also in on Inside Sports. And I know Dave Campbell; we've had him on the show here as well, and and uh, Morley as well. Um, did they ever say anything to you about? some of these criticisms or anything, just trying to, trying to help you along like, I don't don't want to throw them under the bus or anything because obviously they have, they have to worry about their own jobs too. And I know that's something completely different. Um, They have their, their, you know, families to feed and and whatnot too. So they don't want to overstep bounds themselves, but did they ever pull you aside and be like, Hey man, you you can't say that.
2: Yeah. Morally he was uh, when I ended up getting let go from Chad, he was, he said he had knots in his stomach for a few days, like he wasn't happy at all because he kind of took ownership for not saying, Hey, look, like you're getting to that line, we can't cross it. Uh so I, I do applaud Morley for that. And me, Morley, Dave, Blake Dermot, we're all still we're tight. It doesn't affect our relationship at all. Um, but what's interesting is uh some of my colleagues, as I was saying some things, they were Uh, texting me, you know, like, this is awesome, loving what you're doing, you know what I mean? Uh, And that really kind of got me hyped up, thinking, oh, yeah, I'm doing the right thing by blasting the GM, when in hindsight, I'm saying things that they probably wouldn't have said. Um, And I'm not looking at them like, oh, they egged me on to get me in trouble or anything like that. And I'm not going to name names or throw anyone under the bus, but I felt like when you're texting me, you know, these fire emojis after I lit up the GM, I thought, oh, yeah, I'm doing something right you know, so, but again, I made the mistake and, uh, yeah, I do respect Morley for, you know, kind of taking a bit of ownership too, because like I said, I didn't get any, any do's and don'ts, you know, I just was analyzing what I thought needed to be analyzed and, uh, obviously made the mistake, but now nah, I stick to my guns.
0: Well, obviously the story of your being let go by Chad also led to other stuff coming out about the franchise after that including um, uh, stories about Joy Moss being removed from the locker room. Um, Did you think that you just being put off the radio would start this basic uh,
2: snowball effect? No, I didn't think that it would be this landslide that it's been for the organization, but clearly it had to happen. You know, and this isn't anything me against the GM – you know, I, I have no ill will. This is nothing against the organization. I love the organization. I won the last Great Cup with them. I want them to win many more Great Cups. You know, it's not me just going around being a hater. Uh, but you got to look at the obvious and just the blunders that this organization has had. Uh, the Joey Moss situation, um, the Dwayne Mandruziak firing him and after 49 years when the guy just wanted to p- work for his 50th season and sail off into the sunset um, the covid situation they're on their third special teams coach of the season halfway through the year uh, i've heard many negative uh, contract negotiation situations uh, so you, you just look at it all and the contracts is kind of the most minimal of it all because that's the business of football but it's it's not right you know things aren't right and then on top of all of these organizational blunders You look at the on-field success, and ever since he's been here, the GM record-wise, they've been worse and worse for the past three years collectively, and now it's a dumpster fire this year. Trevor Harris, you know, he's leading the league in passing, gets hurt with a concussion or neck, uh, has a bad game last week, and they bench him. He's not even on the roster. Normally, when you bench a guy, he's the backup. He's not even playing this year or this week. He's not even dressing. Like, you don't see these things. So it just makes you scratch your head. And I've been around pro football. You guys have been around pro pro football long enough. Uh, There's just too much going on right now. And it begins at the top. You know, the GM is, I say it over and over again, he's the captain of the ship and the ship is going to go where he steers it.
1: Now you do have the uh, the new gig with TSN 1260, correct?
2: No, I I heard about that. I heard rumors about that. Someone texted me the other night. There's been talks in the making, but where did you guys hear about that?
1: I saw it on Twitter that it was uh, it was the, the day after or the day of uh, your release from six thirty, Chad. That uh, in the afternoon, TSN uh, radio in Edmonton well, got a hold of you, and, and yeah, we're proud to bring him on board and whatnot. And I was like, wow, that, that was fast.
2: Yeah, so that's funny because I was on their show. I was on the Jason Greger show um, doing an interview. But someone else texted me two nights ago. He says, "So is the TSN rumors true?" And, and I mean, yeah, there has been some talks about me hopping on board with them, but nothing has come to you know fruition at this point. So that, that's interesting. But we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and close any doors. Here's here's hoping there's an opportunity. I, I do
3: have to say, you're you're on a on a rider podcast here, and you made comments about wanting the Edmonton franchise to win a bunch more great Cups. I'm not sure that's something we can let slide. This this might be your last show with us. No.
2: <laughs> edit it.
3: You can edit it. The <laughs> yeah, good news is I've got the power of the edit
2: button. I can do whatever I want. Hey, at least, you know, with me, you're going to get the honest answer. For no reason proven.
3: whatsoever. Can you just say the word writers and nothing else? And we'll just kind of edit that over top and it'll all be good.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, man, I want nothing but success for them, too. What do you and I know you guys are interviewing me right now, but what do you guys, uh, what's your guys' feelings, how things have been going the past few weeks?
1: Well, here in Saskatchewan, it's, uh, I mean, you've been in the media fishbowl here, you know exactly what it's all about. Once one loss happens, everybody loses their minds. Add on a second loss, and, and now four out of the last six games, it's, it's not looking too good. And, and you have a guy with, uh, you know, Cody Fajardo, for example, not being able to push the ball downfield. And obviously they're missing Shaq Evans. That's a big part of their offense is, is throwing him intermediate and deep routes, but it feels like the Cody's comments a couple of days ago out or a couple of games ago, their first loss against the stamps said that he wasn't like, he didn't want to throw the deep ball because there's just no confidence whatsoever. So for a team that is very well coached, I would say at least from me being on the outside, kind of looking in and you have a defense that is just, pure confidence on that defense in, in every level of, of that, uh, of the rotation there, but to have a guy like Cody Fajardo, who in 2019 played with a lot of confidence before people really even know who he was making that name for himself that year for him to not play with confidence. That's gotta be really concerning. If you're, you know, a Ryder fan going forward, because your starting quarterback doesn't have the trust in the offense. And, and Eddie, you are in Edmonton with, jason moss as well right so Mm -hmm. like what's and and i know obviously defense versus offense you're not in all those meetings and whatnot but the offense but i'm curious for you what you're seeing what you're seeing out of jason moss and what's wrong with the riders offense
2: well you know it's funny because in my opinion jason moss is a much better offensive coordinator than steve McAdoo. Uh, we had this saying when i was playing because it's a pretty vanilla offense obviously jones really had his hands in things in terms of what they do run the ball short yardage on second down all that but we would call it the maca offense because rarely do you stretch the field but uh, jason moss he's been everywhere he's been he's had you know one of the top passing quarterbacks you know be it toronto ottawa edmonton So I was, I'm pretty surprised by it too. Now, part of me feels like it might be just, you know, second year, sophomore, even though Cody's not a sophomore, but sophomore as a a full-time starter, you know, team's key on him. Watching more film, they know his tendencies. Like last time out uh, playing football in 19, he was notorious for that backside pivot, that rollout, and he got a ton of plays on that. Uh, He's not doing that that much this year. And in all honesty, um, I think he's a good football player. But Cody, as far as what I know of Cody, when I've played against him, he was always a third-string short yardage quarterback. So what he did uh, last time out in 19 was a shocker to me. I I didn't think it was going to be sustainable for him to play that well all year. But he proved me wrong. He had a heck of a season. This year, there definitely has been some regression, in my opinion, and uh, I, I don't know exactly what the issue is, because I thought with Jason Moss as his offensive coordinator, I thought he was actually going to take even more steps up the ladder. But that just hasn't been the case. Of course, injuries don't help yet. Yeah, we know that. But still, they still have really good talent on that team, still have some big receivers that do make plays. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because there has been some regression, I think.
0: I know a lot of people in Saskatchewan are pointing to that offensive line, both with experience and just some of the guys that they are rotating through. Um, as a guy who played in the trenches, do you see that as Saskatchewan's weakness?
2: Not weakness, but it's definitely not a strong suit for them. You know, you got Danny Clark in the middle um, initially. Um, what was his name from junior? Um, Logan Ferland. Logan, yeah, Logan, I heard a ton of good things about him. actually, funny enough, a lot of the things I've heard about him come from Brendan Willette and uh, told me like this kid's gonna be a player. but you lose a guy like Labatt, that that doesn't help at all. you know, perennial all- star and just an anchor there, uh, a veteran presence. Evan Johnson, you know, he's been up and down in my opinion, um, and then the tackle situation. They've, how many tackles have they gone through? They've gone through a few at this point, haven't they? Spin uh, they the wheel up. and pick one. They went through
1: all of them already. Yeah.
2: Right? Three or four now. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's uh, that doesn't help at all. And typically it's Americans that they're running through too. So, yeah, it's, it's not a strong suit for them. That's for sure. Um, Powell, though, is a heck of a runner, and he makes them look good on some plays where they might not be at their best.
1: All right. I have one more for you here. We're going to go out to uh, one of your former coaches. We're going to go out to Toronto right now, What you're seeing out of uh, the Toronto Argonauts taking first place, uh, kind of control of the East right now. How much of this uh, success that they're having in the last couple of weeks, do you think is on Chris Jones having his imprint on that defense?
2: Not a ton of it goes on to Jones. Um, Because they've had some ballers there who are playing good football all year. But it does help, you know. You look at Dexter McCoyle. uh, He had his best seasons uh, under Jones here in Edmonton. And uh, he went out last week, balled this this past week. Sorry, two weeks ago, balled this past week, balled out. He was uh, one of the top three stars of the league. Uh, So guys like that who are really familiar with Jones' scheme, I think it's going to really help uh but you know it, it's a team game it's not just their defense that's playing well their offense is playing well too kicking game i like boris bd I've, I've liked him for a long time he's got a huge leg for a kicker uh so you know i think the argos are a well-rounded organization i mean shoot they they spent enough money this offseason getting players so you better be producing so i i think they've done a good job in scouting and it's crazy because you look at a guy like Enoch Mwamba and he's not even playing right now. You know what I mean? And I'm not totally sure what the issue is, why he's not. I don't think he's injured. But, yeah, it's uh, they have a pretty deep, talented team. And I think they're really going to – it'll be them and Hamilton coming out of the East, especially with Vernon Adams being banged up now.
1: And uh, really quick, uh, speaking of that team and, and veterans not playing, Charleston Hughes has been a healthy scratch the last two games. Um, obviously this could be a a salary issue as well. To you're paying him top dollar if you have somebody who's given, you know, the same production or better. You play the younger, cheaper guy. But two straight games, healthy scratch. He had the year off last year. He didn't come out to a you know his normal hot start to start this season. Is is he done? Is his career pretty much over?
2: Well, I don't want to say it's over but uh just because you know who knows he might catch fire and get a few sacks down the stretch and i don't want to offend him he's a buddy of mine but uh they're always looking to go younger and they're always looking to go cheaper that's the business the minute you sign a contract they're scouting to try and replace you that's no word of a lie uh he and you're right he hasn't got off to that hot start in the past few years he would get, you know, quick nine sacks in seven weeks, and then you can coast for a little bit and then still end up with 13, 14 sacks. Uh, but it, that's not the case. And the reality is can't play till the wheels fall off. We all have a shelf life in this game. I'm not saying this is it for him, but you know, the end is inevitable. I and mean, he's playing into his late thirties, not even mid thirties, late thirties as a defensive lineman already, he's defied the odds and have the success that he's had. So it, I don't know if this will be the end of the road for him, but man, you can't play forever, especially in the trenches. It, it starts to add up. So it'll be interesting to see how things unfold for him uh, moving forward with his career. Well,
1: Eddie, thanks so much for uh, making time for us here on the Piffles Podcast. We know you got another call. You're going to pop on here in a, in a couple of minutes. Uh, so thanks again. And uh, maybe we'll hear you again on the, uh, on the radio soon. <laughs>
2: We'll see. Radio or TV, I want that CFL on TSN panel. They, they need alignment. It's all skill position up there. You and Milt. Yeah, exactly.
1: All right. Thanks so well, much. I appreciate Eddie. it, guys. Well, there was Eddie Steele here on the Piffles podcast, of course, uh, telling us the situation with 630 Chad, him being let go from there. And, of course, a uh, little bit more talk around the CFL. We'll get to some CFL talk in just a minute. Remember, the Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. And the Piffles Podcast is a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Let's get to the opening kickoff.
0: It's not funny now. I don't know. I'm not going to laugh today. No. No. No.
1: I'm, I'm, still, I'm, still,
0: I'm still mad, and we're, we're going to get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, oh, look, I can stand up, and I can sit down.
1: I can stand. Okay, we'll get to it
0: later. Anyway.
1: Well, that's that's one of the reasons you're mad. One of the other reasons why we're mad is the Riders losing again to the Stamps, 22-19, dropping their record to 5-4. and four. And what got me was the very first play from scrimmage, oh, the Calgary 71-yard touchdown to Markeith Ambles. And when I first saw that play, I had to laugh. I laughed out loud because I was like the balls of the stamps the whole week leading up was talk about the riders in the deep ball what does Bo Levi Mitchell do something that Cody Fajardo is is known for rolling out and throwing a deep ball sure enough they get a huge long touchdown boom riders in that hole again right away to start the game seven nothing and I was like are you kidding me immediately I was like well that escalated quickly (laughs) I just couldn't believe it I'm
0: like are you like and, and he did it in our house like in our face like came in and just tracked mud all over our house and but i yeah, yeah, it just it was a, it was a blown cover it was just bad it was bad
1: well and you got to give credit to the stamps for uh picking picking on the the one side of the field that doesn't have ed Gainey, lucius purifoy and Nick Marshall going after the other side with uh, blaze Brown and it was Campbell in coverage on that one, kind of in coverage on that he one. He wasn't covered. He was, he was on that, <laughs> he side used of that field. term loosely. Yeah. He was, he, he was on that side of the field. He wasn't in coverage though, but just like all the, I appreciate a good troll job, but that one made me mad because you know that they were just like, you know what, screw it. Let's go deep. All this, you know, they were saying that in what? the offensive like, uh, meetings for the stamps all week, but
0: I guarantee guarantee you that probably wasn't even the play sent into the huddle. That was just Bo being Bo.
3: That seems like the type of petty thing he would do to the riders. And I, you know (laughs) what? I I've been hard on him for how many years, but if that, if that was him, I appreciate it. That was, uh, the, like you said, the balls on that move. What do you even do?
1: Well, the riders, uh, did make a game of it after that, obviously only losing by three points, but that first half guys, that was a fantastic first half that felt like a heavyweight fight. That felt like a playoff game. One of the, uh, the old playoff games between the riders and the stamps where it was kind of a lower scoring, but there was still some kind of big plays mostly by the defense, by both defenses. And that was a great first half, very physical. What we're going to see down the stretch here is the weather gets a little bit colder And I mean, the second half was kind of boring, but, um, at least the, the pace, I I was critical of, uh, the Hamilton Montreal game saying, did the last 10 minutes kind of make up for a crappy, you know, 50 minutes to start the game. This was not the case here. The riders seem to be the one team that has very entertaining games pretty much from start to finish. So, um, that was kind of nice to see that it wasn't just a, a bore fest. But... I,
0: I got to disagree with you, with you. These Stamps games feel like the world's closest blowouts. I, I don't know if it's just my mindset against the Stamps or what, but it just, it feels like we're never in these games. It doesn't matter how close we are. It's just like, I don't know. Well, our offense just can't do it. That's that's where, where I'm at right now. See, And it's I was an optimistic guy at the beginning of the year.
3: It, it's really weird to me to hear you say that this was the, the what did you call it? The closest blowout world's closest blowout world because i i felt the opposite i felt like we walked all over calgary for good chunks of that game and were the better team maybe maybe it's the homer in me what that's not out of the realm of possibility but i felt like we were the better team that we were the ones dominating that game and just couldn't
1: couldn't finish well but that offense again Pretty much god-awful the entire game. They just, they aren't able, they did create a a deep play or or a a chunk play in yardage. They finally got Kyron Moore for a 33-yard pass. That was the biggest play of the game for the Riders. They had nothing else, over 20 yards. But like, it's just, what is going on here with this offense? We had uh, Eddie Steele was just talking about it with Jason Moss and and pushing the ball downfield. And it, it does have me questioning like Eddie Steele said, this regression of Cody Fajardo in his second year, was he really just kind of a flash in the pan when every single starting quarterback in 2019, except for Cody Fajardo, got hurt? And did he just look better than he is? Is he just an average quarterback? Because I feel he's better than that, but it's kind of hard to argue that he is right now.
3: Well, I'll say this. You know what? He, he's making some of the plays, and we're seeing a couple of those deep balls over the last few weeks Uh, Schaefer Baker last week and uh, and Karen Moore this week I think a big part of the problem is he's losing confidence in his team there are drops left right and center that should be extending drives that are killing drives killing momentum and that's got to get to a guy after a while it's not this is now we're nine games into the year and you're having guys making week one problems yeah he's missed a few of those deep balls too but if you're not sure he's going to make it or if he's going to catch it, if you do throw it, it's, that's gotta be hard on you as
1: you, as you let go of the ball. And target key and Schaefer Baker more. He only had five targets the entire game. This is a guy who's proven that he's the only real reason why this offense is in games. The last few games, get him the ball. I don't care how many times you have to do it, but just get him the ball screens, hitches slants, ins outs. it doesn't matter what the route is throw it to Schaefer baker because right now that's all they have
0: oh well, they had a touchdown in the end zone for delanius and it got called called back so i don't know it, it's it's weird this team seems so heckle jekyll and hyde and i don't know what they are right now and by this time of the season i should know what they are and i i don't know like Are they second in the West? Are they a crossover team? I I don't know at this time. Well, and truthfully,
1: outside of that first half against BC in the season opener, and I'll even say the BC road game a couple weeks ago, this offense has not been that good all season long. This isn't just a new thing. I think, obviously, they were masked in the first couple of weeks. They should have lost week one if uh, the BC kicker could make a field goal in week one. The game against Hamilton, obviously, they you know beat him up. I'm and telling you there. right
0: now, the Riders' most outstanding special teams players are BC kickers.
1: <laughs> he makes kicks, and all of a sudden, the Riders are sitting at what three and six, and on the outside of a playoff spot. That run defense against Calgary, they could not stop Kadeem Carey at all. Carey was named oh, one of the God. most outstanding players of the week, kind of thing, or the top performer, one of the top performers. But it just seems like it. Uh, I'm going to take full
3: responsibility for that one because I had Kadim Carey in my fantasy lineup. And at the last minute I took him out and I swapped him with William Stanbeck, which as we all know, Stanbeck ended up not playing on, on Monday night. So, and that, that, so the Kadeem Carey, I should have told you ahead of time, we were going to get
0: run all over all game. Which is funny because he was supposed to be a game time decision. Like he wasn't even supposed to be at a hundred percent and yet he destroyed us. Like, it was
2: bad.
1: Well, that was especially in the fourth quarter. That last drive especially just seemed to, it was just carry, 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 carry. And they could not figure it out. And, uh, I mean, Riders still sitting at five and four, still second place. And I heard this outside of Winnipeg, who's running away with the CFL right now, and, and the West Division specifically. The rest of the league is just mediocre. Yeah. And that includes Toronto at what are they, six and three, leading the East right now. But the rest of the league, they're all clustered. There's Winnipeg, and people can't see my hands raised up all the way, but like Winnipeg's way at the top here. And then down way below that is literally everybody else. And then there's Ottawa, and then there's a high school team, and then there's the <laughs> Elks at the very bottom, digging their way up. And it's like good, for, like luckily for the riders that all these teams are just kind of meh. I don't know if you guys see it that way.
0: No, and that's what I said. Like, I don't know what this team is, but on the plus side, I don't know what any other team is other than Winnipeg and obviously the Alex and Ottawa. But yeah, I don't know who's showing up for Hamilton. I don't know who's showing up for the Argos. Like...
3: If you even look over at, at Ottawa, they're starting to turn their play around. They've been having a bunch of closer games compared to what we saw... You know the first five, six weeks of the season, even they're kind of moving their way up into that that mediocre pile that you mentioned. You're it, it. You're right. It is the Bombers at the top, seven teams in the middle, and and Edmonton way down at the at the bottom. That there's no other way to describe this league right now. I mean, I I haven't done my power rankings on the on the site in a little while, but if I was
1: going to do them, it would be in three in three tiers exactly like that. So, of course, the Riders hit the bye week. No game this week before they uh, head out to Calgary again next week to finish off Stamptober. Is this good timing for the bye week? Like this, this, To me, this seems like this is the right week for them to have off after a couple losses. Cody Fajardo's leaving. Normally, he spends the the bye week here in Regina and watches film and, and gets in work, but he's going to go see his wife and his dog that he hasn't seen in a while. So maybe that is a good thing just to get his mind off of the game. And then he can come back recharged for the last drive of the year.
0: For his sake, I hope they win. Cause if not the stories that are going to come about Cody going home and leaving the team behind him he's supposed to be the leader. You, you know, there's going to be a bunch of fans that are going to hitch their wagon to that and drive it all the way up and down Albert street. His,
3: his already long block list is going to get a whole lot longer <laughs> if that happens
0: honestly they do they they need some time to recharge their batteries i think people forget these guys are human beings sometimes and and yeah especially the guys in the states that leave their families at home it's probably good that they go home and see their family and have some sense of normalcy but i don't know i i also never trust the riders after a bye week i don't trust them going into the bye week i don't trust them coming out of the bye week it's usually never good
3: well, you know what we heard? We heard a few weeks ago that Shaq was you know, three-ish weeks away. We've got Duke Williams coming out on the other side of this bye week. I, I think it's coming at the perfect time. That's two big pieces to our offensive weaponry that, that we absolutely need right now. Throw those two on there and suddenly Keon Schaefer-Baker is your, your third or fourth option. Imagine what he can do with that kind of uh, talent beside him.
1: Yeah, and he would be going up against number one defensive backs as well too that's going to create a lot more opportunities for him so this but this bye week couldn't have come at a better time and hopefully they use that to just not even worry about recharging but just go back to being a regular person for a little bit and being around family or at home or if you're even if they're staying in town just to not be at the stadium every day and not have to deal with media and not have to just not have to do the job sometimes it's nice to just have a little staycation and and maybe that's what's going on for some of these guys. And hopefully that's that's good as well. You guys are laughing. What did I miss? Nothing. Okay. Greg's just throwing things around his hotel room. I yeah, think. apparently. Yeah. Well, you pretty much live there now. So
0: Yeah. They gave me the same <laughs> room. They must think I'm staying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Feschen of Royal La Pedro John Realty. Let's get to the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. We'll take a look around the CFL just a little bit. And uh, we mentioned the Montreal Alouettes. Vernon Adams Jr. is going to be out for a while. We don't really know how long yet. Matthew Schultz is going to be the starting quarterback for them this week against Ottawa. But it uh, sounds like Montreal is also going to be looking for other quarterbacks and see what they can bring in. Is, is there a chance that the Riders are maybe calling them and saying, hey, Harker's available or Paxton Lynch? Oh, I, well, I tweeted
0: it out. I If I'm the Riders, I'm seeing if they got an offensive lineman that we can borrow for Harker, because I don't know what the asking, what the get back on a guy like Paxton Lynch would be without any CFL film. Um, don't get me wrong. The name's there, pedigree's there, but... We, we've seen a lot of those uh, NFL names come in and do absolutely nothing, and w- Montreal knows that well, very well, <laughs> in fact. Um, but no, it sucks for Adams. Uh, I love them. Like if he was, I wish he was still a rider. I, I like him that much. Um, but yeah, from everything I'm hearing, he's definitely on that six weeks, if not longer. There's that six weeks is a minimum. He he might not be back this season. So. It's never good when you see a guy like that leave the leave a game uh, leave leave the league like that uh, for a season anyway.
1: And that's gonna bring me into the next question here. Just with uh, we we debated this by ourselves before we uh, a couple days ago before we hit record on this episode. But with the crossover kind of in play, especially with Calgary winning back to back, and you got BC and Saskatchewan all fighting for spots two, three, and four in the West. You have Hamilton and and Montreal fighting for second and third in the East right now. But with Montreal without Vernon Adams, that crossover kind of looks a little bit more tempting right now. Steve, we kind of debated this. I think it was, it was mostly you and me. Is the crossover the best bet for a West team to make the Grey Cup this year because you don't have to play Winnipeg? 100%. I mean, it we've has that never here-
0: happened. As bad as the East is. It has never happened. The Riders were the closest to ever do it, and they still screwed it up. Yeah, thanks. We Cody haven't, s- s- we yes,
3: haven't thanks seen a Cody team Fitzgerald. quite like Winnipeg in a while. Yes, Hamilton was that team last year. They were out east. We didn't have to worry about them. As a, as a Rough Rider fan, I have zero confidence in this team going into Winnipeg and winning a West Final.
0: As a no. Rough Rider fan, I have zero confidence they can go out east and win two games to make the Grey cup.
3: I have a ton
0: more confidence in that. They've already
3: shown they can beat both of the teams that they would be up against in Hamilton and Toronto.
0: They beat Ottawa and Toronto in the regular season in, what was it, 2018 and still lost to Toronto at BMO. Is it? But if you have to pick it between
3: beating Hamilton and Toronto or beating Calgary and Winnipeg, take everything else
0: out of the equation, which is the easier route? At the end of the day, you still need to beat Winnipeg. It doesn't matter if you but, lose in the Grey Cup final or if you lose in the Eastern final or the Western final. You still got to beat Winnipeg to win the Grey Cup. And no one cares about almost winning the Grey Cup because I hear all the time from guys, oh, we was, it doesn't matter. It's how no. many you got, and we got four.
3: If you got to play Winnipeg, would you rather play them in front of 30,000 of their fans or would you rather play them in a... Uh, a stadium where you know a lot of Ryder fans are going to make that trip, and with it, with the Great Cup being in Out East, it's going to be a fairly even stadium.
0: I want to go to Winnipeg and punch him in the mouth. That's what I want to do. But I have no faith that they do that. What part of the two times
3: we played them this year?
0: What part of the two times of playing them thinks it's going to be any better if you play them in Hamilton? Well, it's, they, they, they came it's here. And they, they came here and took our lunch money. What's going it's to be not- the difference <laughs> out to Hamilton? Well. Uh, i i I got nothing there
3: i don't if i had to pick a route i'd rather they go through the west because that's the honest way to do it but if you're going to tell me which one's the easiest i'll take that east route
0: every time easiest to make the gray cup yes possibly which never
1: happened never happened
0: that's exactly what i just said it's never happened the writers were the closest they had a minute left and they gave and i don't remember because that's when we had our we had a watch watch party. party and the three of us are all standing together and we're like they gave Ricky Ray too much time. They gave Ricky Ray too much time, and yeah, and stupid Cody Fajardo and his stupid one thir- third-string quarterback, short yardage BS. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but neither
3: Toronto or Hamilton have Ricky Ray on their uh, on their roster right now. We don't have to go through a, a CFL legend to get there.
0: Oh come on, Macbeth is uh, definitely a CFL legend at this point. <laughs>
3: Uh, if, T, if, uh, if the talking heads out East have anything to say, you're probably right. Pretty sure he's already got their, their MOP nod
1: lined up. This conversation has gone really well for me. I didn't, <laughs> my point came across with Greg here and I didn't even have to say anything. That was my whole <laughs> argument that I had with Steve. It's never happened before. So yes, the easiest route, if you want to use that, is to go out East but still it's never happened before you can't tell me that it's going to be the easiest they have to figure out winnipeg at some point right like i would take my chances cuz the last couple playoff games the riders should have won both of them in 18 and 19 but they just couldn't end up scoring on you know third and one from the one like they they had multiple chances especially in 2019 to be able to do that you give them that again this year i i feel that they would probably be able to but yeah, I, I mean, are are I you really sure that they would even go for it on third and one? I get what you're saying, bunch of cowards. <laughs> well, should we? Do you want to get to your rant right now? No, we can finish this. Let me get a little more heated up.
0: See, this—that's what I was doing. I was just trying to poke him closer because he—he said he wasn't angry enough at the beginning of the show. So I just—I'm oh, I'm just, just, just slowly nudging him <laughs> to the edge again.
1: I'm looking over it right now. It's looking real good. And the uh, the other thing we did want to bring up was uh, the Edmonton Elks, and we kind of did this with Eddie Steele already. Trevor Harris, not on the roster this week, got benched, and they're going to start Taylor Cornelius um, against the Bombers, which, if you're going up against the Bombers, probably not... Take, what? What? Take, take the Bombers plus a million. Just take the Bombers plus a million. Yeah, I don't care what the spread is. The Bombers are going to cover. This is going to be a blowout. It's going to be ridiculous. And... Well, I, I don't understand why you do this. Usually in a lost year, I would always say start the, the younger guys, but you're still only two games behind a playoff spot right now with seven weeks to go. Like you're still as bad as these Elks are. They're still in the race for the playoffs. And if you have a healthy Trevor Harris, you have to play him. This is ridiculous, but, but
0: is he healthy? I don't think he is. He's the guy that pulled himself out and put himself back on the roster. Like, he literally pulled himself and put himself on the sixth game. Apparently, next thing you know, he's healthy in two weeks. It's like, what? This makes no sense. I don't get it. Like, th- this team, I I can't fathom what is going on in that organization right now.
3: Every time you think they've done the dumbest thing they're going to do, they-, they turn around and surprise you and do something else really dumb. Like, I, I can't understand playing Cornelius over Harris in any aspect, unless you, unless you have given up on the year, but even then what, take them right off the roster, or t- like right off the, the game day roster. And the and way they put said him on it, the
0: they, they basically said they're moving on with Cornelius and pro cop. And I'm like, wow, that's one way to like literally pitch your franchise quarterback off a cliff.
3: We, we talked about it a second ago. What's the chances that uh, Montreal makes
0: a play for Trevor Harris? Well, that's the other op. That's that could be an option because I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Southern will take that phone call. Just,
1: be Just put him in a to- package with uh, with Derek Dennis <laughs> with,
0: with an offensive lineman.
1: Yeah, well, it'll be an interesting. Couple of weeks here in the CFL following that. Steve, let's not waste any more time. You want to get to it. You listed a few things after the router game you wanted to rant about. So we're going to give you that chance if you want. I can poke you in and get you going on well, each chances one chances
0: are I'm going to be taking in like he's going to be the hot tag on one, on one of these. I know he will. Oh, I, I, I,
3: I'm going to line one of them up for you perfectly, because I don't think I can get quite the same level of anger that you can on the last one. I, I, my biggest rant right now is this. How do I word this without swearing? Like I, I've gotten back to the point where I'm as mad as I was on Saturday night The Riders had multiple chances on third and one and third and two to put this game away or at least take away any opportunity for Calgary to kick that last field goal. And this is a team on multiple occasions all throughout the year has gone forward on third and one, third and two and success and been successful. That's what worked for them early on in the season was taking these opportunities and running with them. And at the end of the game, when you've got the entire game on the line, and your fans behind you, and you punt it twice on third and one. I I can't, for the life of me, fathom what went through Dickinson's mind to make that decision. The team is <laughs> shown, that's exactly what it is. And we, we heard it multiple times. I used the word coward. That's what it was. He was afraid to make that call because punting the ball takes that that the onus off of him, if they don't make it, suddenly he's, he's attacked for making this bad decision, but you know what? I feel like if they try it and failed on third and one fans probably would have been like, yeah, I would have done it. It's our O lines fault, but when you punt the ball away and give it and, and give the ball back to get just here Calgary run with it, the way their offense was able to move the ball, you know, between the thirties,
1: you're, you're basically asking yourself to lose. And we got what we deserved. And that was exactly it, Steve. The O-line, that's the problem right now with this offense. Just as a a whole, I guess, as as most fans will probably say, it's this O-line. And there's just no confidence in these guys to hold the defense for three seconds, to give Cody enough time to, to pass or to open a lane for William Powell to run. That's the problem right now the major one with the offense is the O-line. And we talked, we've talked about the O-line the whole season, and even going into it was that they look great the first couple of weeks, but that was the dink and dunk and offense of, of five, 10 yards at a time and, and just not making them have to, you know, cover or not making them have to, to, to block um, for so long. And defenses have adjusted and the offense hasn't yet. And they're playing the other teams seem like they're playing chess when we're playing checkers on offense. And that's where the problem is. It's the offense and we're not given enough time and, and Moss isn't putting them in enough good spots to be able to do that. Why not bring in a sixth uh, old lineman more often? Why not bring in Albert Awachi more often to, to block and have him run a little bit out of the backfield. Like there's gotta be ways that you can use some of these guys use Keaton LaFrance a little bit as a receiver. They have been doing that, but have him chip off, a defensive end just so you have that extra half second and cody's forcing the ball that half second earlier because he hears those footsteps even if there's nobody around there he knows that this protection isn't going to hold up so he has to get rid of the ball and in football timing is everything and if you can't have if you need one full second and you're only getting half a second each time that's a massive difference Here, here's the biggest problem i have with the decision to punt on third and one now you have a
3: quarterback who's outright said he has no faith in his receivers to catch those 50-50 balls, and you have a head coach who's shown he has no confidence in his offensive line. That's two big pieces where the the leader has basically given those guys the middle finger wheel and saying we're better off doing it the other way because we don't trust you to get the job done. That's a big issue coming down the stretch on this season. But you know what's a bigger issue than that? Fans doing the goddamn wave at all. First of all, the wave is stupid. Stop it. But to do it on offense is just for, for a, a fan base that gets touted as being the smartest fans in the CFL and the best fans in the CFL. We, we don't win that. We lose that title for doing the wave on offense. It, it's gone. It's, it belongs to eight other franchises right now they are all smarter than us if they haven't done the wave on offense this year.
0: It was the entire series. It wasn't, I've seen it before where it started and I'm like, Oh, we're on offense. We'll, we'll stop. They went the entire series till we punted the bloody ball away. It, and then stopped. And then stopped. So they could be loud on defense. It's like.
3: People don't understand the problem with this. It's, it's literally an act that's designed to a make noise and be distract. Because you got this, this wave going around the stadium. You're going to see that out of the corner of your eye. You're going to hear that noise as it rotates around the stadium. It is literally the worst thing you can do on offense. And we do it week after week after week. And people are happy
0: about it. No. I, I, the people that run down the aisles and like doing it, one, two, three, wee! You look like the kids on the side of the road pulling their arms down to get the horn to honk. Quit it.
1: The horn honking is still cool. Okay. The wave one was never cool. Two still isn't cool. And three needs to go back to the eighties. It's like, like I said, look, I can stand up. I can
0: sit down. I can stand up. I know I can do this in order. Oh, you're going. Okay. It's my turn. No one cares. It is the dumbest thing on the planet. Let's just move on. Quit doing it on offense and shut up. Instead of this being a rider podcast,
3: can we just become an anti-wave podcast and bring up every time a fan base does the wave?
2: And just sit podcast. there
3: and give them hell for five minutes that week. And we'll be back next week when somebody else does something stupid.
1: Wow, this uh, sounds exactly like uh, the Pivot's podcast from five years ago, where for the last five years, all we did was complain about the wave. Oh. We have a shirt about it.
3: Uh, we should we should talk to the riders and see if they'll they'll buy twenty thousand of those shirts and give every single fan one
0: they, they just have so we can laugh gift? at
1: them doing give? the wave while wearing a don't do the wave shirt oh, no 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 we're, we're,
0: we're, we're gonna do what they do and we're gonna sell it and jack it up
1: yeah are you, are you suggesting the riders would give the fan base anything <laughs> i'm sorry for making, i forgot what team i rooted for Except for a shoelace
0: but they, they have like video prompts for everything including making noise now which I had to laugh. Rob banstones like, "Oh, considering where they're the world's greatest fans, how come they have to be told to make noise with a noise meter?" And I'm like, "Someone needs to tell them to sit their asses down and stop doing the wave." Like that should be the next video. Oh, can we get? Can we get like
3: an the entire offensive line doing a uh, an anti-wave PSA before every offensive series?
0: Just Dan Clark. Hey, you sit your ass down. Yeah, that's all we need.
3: <laughs> Don't do the wave. Yes, we, we I think we're onto something here. Somebody needs to reach out to the riders and make this a uh, uh, a thing going forwards. That would be a better PSA than "Hey, you make some noise." Hey, you in the green shirt, make some noise.
1: Oh, I see that thing one more he's damn time.
0: Oh, he's talking to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. To be fair, though, that stuff is that you see that stuff at every stadium, and, and make make some noise. That's at every stadium. It's geared to the casual fan to To get them in, and, and now you're seeing it. More I, and more I, I know, fans are in Mosaic Stadium. I want to
0: see their scientific proof that Rider Nation is louder than a jet engine. Wh- where <laughs> Where is the decibel rating? I want that. I want to see that scientific documentation.
1: Look, I'm doing my own research on that. Okay, so. Uh, so you you're watching YouTube clips? Yeah, <laughs> it's on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> let's get to the CFL pick them this week. There's only three games, which kind of suck. And only one of them really seems to light me up in any kind of way. And that's the last game of the week. But the first one, Winnipeg at Edmonton, we already said, whatever Winnipeg the spread is. Million. Winnipeg. Yep. Winnipeg. Montreal with uh, Matthew Schultz at quarterback in Ottawa. I'm going Ottawa.
3: I think they're going to surprise somebody this week. Oh, <sighs> That somebody's going to be me when they lose. <laughs> and yet you still won't be surprised.
0: No, not at all. I don't know. I, I I don't know how to degrade this Montreal team without VA behind quarterback. And Ottawa has been kind of goofy lately with how they've been playing.
1: Uh, Montreal. Matthew Schultz has still looked pretty good coming in for Vernon Adams each of the last couple of games when VA gets hurt. And he seems to be able to run that offense. He's been around them for quite a few years now. And I don't trust Caleb Evans in Ottawa. Are you kidding me? No, that team's still garbage. Montreal wins. <laughs> and finally, this is a big one, especially for Rider fans too. Calgary at BC.
0: This is not the Riley-Bow matchup everyone expected. Like, don't get me wrong. It's like two old gunslingers still throwing, but it's not the same teams. I like. I was like, I was like, it's literally still the Riley and I know Bo it matchup is, but, that everybody but expected. Yeah, but <laughs> quite literally. Yeah, I know. But you know what I mean? Like they're, they're not the players they used to be. Um, Bo still doesn't look 100%. I don't, I'm sorry. I got to go with Riley. So,
3: so what you're saying is it's not the Bo Riley matchup that we except expected two years later. Because they're older, which yeah. we all expected, because the last time was two years ago. Shut up, Steve. Just, just making sure we're on the same page here. It's important that we get on the same page, like we were with the uh, the Getzlaf tweet on on uh, Saturday night. That was pretty solid. <laughs> that, that is that is
0: scary. Honestly, <laughs>
3: uh, I I gotta go. Oh, Who would you take? So I can take the other one BC. and make, leave it all up to Alex. Yeah, you're you're, you're taking your buddy Bo. I can't. I can't take Bo Levi. I. The Riders should have won both of those games. I Calgary still doesn't look like a good team. We just didn't look like a good team either. I'll take BC. Oh, but BC doesn't have Lucky.
1: Lucky Whitehead is oh. out. Calgary seems to be getting healthier and healthier as they go. They ended up getting huffed back last week for the receivers. and I'm picking a not tie. That I, not that I think that uh, Calgary is a better team, but I think they just... Those two games against the Saskatchewan are going to give them that uh, that confidence. And if you start getting a confident Bo Levi Mitchell again, he's still the most winningest quarterback in CFL history in terms of percentage. And it's hard to argue against that. So I think Calgary wins, but as a rider, as rider fans with a game like this, with both these teams and the riders in a huge fight for a home playoff game, who do you guys who would you like to see win this? Not who do you think will win this, but for the rider's benefit, who should win this? BC. Yep. We, yeah, Because we, yeah, we, we, we hold the tiebreaker BC. on BC.
0: Calgary holds the tiebreaker on us. I want BC to hold the tiebreaker on Calgary so we can just have chaos. Yay, chaos. When in doubt, I, I choose
3: chaos. Much like my pick and who wins the game, I hope it ends in a tie. That is best case scenario. And I think I think this is the game. It happens. I picked a tie, and I will never let this down. When uh, was it Montreal and Ottawa? Ottawa, Ottawa was definitely involved. Yeah, I know Ottawa did but it. Sure it, Ottawa. Ottawa? Yeah, it was Calgary and Ottawa. Yeah, Calgary and Ottawa. And I picked a tie to open the season, and they tied, so. And I don't think I've picked a tie since. This is going to be that tie.
0: So help me, God, if it happens.
3: Oh, you guys are never going to hear the end of it. It's
0: just going to be then why are you so bad at picking uh, buying lottery tickets?
3: Reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I save all my good luck
1: for picking ties once every four years.
0: There you go. That's a yeah. terrible mutant power.
1: <laughs> all right, boys. Well, that's going to do it for us this week on the Pibbles podcast. We want to send a, uh, send a thanks again to Eddie Steele for joining us right off the top of the show. Always a blast talking to him and, uh, as he hinted, there's some talks with him in uh, TSN and Edmonton, hopefully, uh, whether it's on radio or even if he is a panel guy and, and has to do it from home via Zoom like Milt and uh, Matt Dunnegan were. I think he'd be very good on the panel. <laughs> They'll actually give him some coaching, something that 630 Ched clearly didn't give to him. But um, I, I'd love to hear more of Eddie Steele because, like he said, he's not going to be se. He's going to tell you exactly what he thinks. He's not going to be malicious about it. He's just going to tell you he's going to analyze things and tell you what he sees. And like you said, he's only been out of the league for a couple of years. He still has a lot of buddies still playing in the league. And that's something that the panel guys don't have. So I think that would be a, a great addition to the CFL on TSN. So thanks again to Eddie Steele for joining us here. And of course, uh, special thanks to Kathy Festian of Royal Page Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company. And of course, Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street, and Sass drive and Regina, making this show possible. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Piffles podcast. This is Tyler Gilbert's ghost behind your mind. The ghost behind
2: you.